I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the MLS Fantasy Insider, part three of our MLS is Back Tournament Fantasy Takeaway Series. This episode is brought to you by Hopscotch, the official training game of Sporting Kansas City. Uh, uh, no, no, wait. Uh, actually, uh, brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the amazing Patreon community of the MLS Fantasy Insider. You guys are awesome and I am just so blessed that you are are part of this community and that i can be part of the community with you i'm your host reed Connolly from mlsfantasyboss.com and tonight i am joined by my usual partners in fantasy mr michael denton and mr blaine riffle how are you fellas doing tonight I'm doing well i can imagine <laughs> I can imagine. So what we're talking about tonight, for those uh, who are tuning in either live with us or uh, on SoundCloud later on, is uh, we're talking about fantasy takeaways from the MLS is back tournament, uh, just to help people with this sort of extended preseason that we have. Uh, We are just going to be talking about the final games of the group stage tonight, because a whole lot has been going on with the knockout stage, and we're going to cover those games in our next podcast because there'll be a nice little break uh, to let us do that. But, but, I am not going to force Mike and Blaine to wait two weeks to talk about things that I'm sure they would like to to share about. So guys, before we get into reviewing the final games of the group stage, I will let you talk just a couple of minutes about the successes that your teams have had because all three of our teams surprisingly made it to the the sweet 16. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I know Blaine's having a good time because his team also advanced into the next phase. True. But I had watched New York city beat Toronto and Patrick Mullins score. <laughs> so the fact that I get to talk about that this week and next week, is pretty awesome. It takes two weeks to fully savor the brilliance of Patrick Mullen's goal. Um, yeah, I mean, New York City, when, when everyone expected them to not win against Toronto, blew them out. I don't know what it is. It seems like whenever New York City is expected to be out, that's when they do well. Maybe it's like the David Villa thing. You know, we're like, whenever we picked David Villa, he would score. He wouldn't <laughs> score. If we didn't have him. Then that's when he would score. Maybe it's related somehow. I don't know, but it was nice to see them actually play really, really well for the first time all tournament. Yeah, no, that was that was a wild game, and potentially sets up a minute, uh, MLS Fancy Insider Derby, uh, depending on how Cincinnati does against Portland. Which, as I have said from the beginning, I have very low expectations. I am shocked, as we'll get into later later today. Uh, but but we have beaten Portland before, so and I was there for it. Uh, but Blaine, I I won't drone on about that. You have. Most likely the most interesting, or not interesting, but the most exciting uh, moment to relive with us right now. Yeah, um, penalties are always a great thing. I know, especially Mike, for your team. Yeah, I know, Mike. <laughs> congrats on getting your win when nobody thought you could do it. Um, sporting fans have the other agony that when we're supposed to get a big blowout win, um, we drag it all the way zero zero penalties, can't score a goal on thirty something shots. Like that game was nuts. Um, and yeah, it came down to penalties with the best uh, PK stopper in league history, um, bringing home the win on that one. Uh, saved two of four at the end, but I mean, all things considered, the breakout star of that game was Hassel, uh, the 21-year-old homegrown goalkeeper for Vancouver. Um, I think Mike pointed it out before the show, he is on a clean sheet streak through this entire tournament. Um, since he's gotten in, he has not conceded a goal yet. Um, Kansas City just bombarded him last night, and he was at everything, and even went right three of the four times in the penalty shootout, which is huge for a for a young goalkeeper. 
Um, you just you don't beat Melia in one of those, and that's unfortunate for him. I think if he was playing against any other goalkeeper, he would have been through that penalty shootout and gone on to the next round. Um, but yeah, that game finished up about 12.15 my time. So we went on into the next day, and if you've ever watched a knockout penalty shootout for your team, you don't go to bed for another two hours after that. Like, it's just <laughs> the hype and the nerves. Like, uh, it was a long night. It was fun. Um, glad we're moving on, but really sad to see Vancouver's goalkeeper out of this tournament because he was something else. Did you join the the group watch to be on one of the virtual bulletin boards? Big screen no, boards? No, I haven't done that yet. Oh, you should have. That was your chance. Could have been fun. Could have been fun. Uh, but that's it. That's all we're going to talk about from from the Sweet 16. I guess I'm not supposed to say Sweet 16. I guess I'm supposed to say supposed to say Round of 16. But I mean, I'm in the heart of SEC country right here, and uh, it's just natural for me to call this the Sweet 16. So that's what you're going to get. That's how it is. Okay, Week Three. I don't know Round Three, whatever it is. The the final games of the group stage that we have not yet covered uh, we're starting with philadelphia versus orlando we're going to use our same format that we have for uh, the past two podcasts uh, i'll cover the the final score who got those goals and assists um and then we'll just cover some of the the high stats and the high players that tend to be fantasy relevant uh, moving on so let's let's start as i said philadelphia versus orlando 1-1 final goals from uh Elsinho with assist by Bedoya and Aronson, and then uh, we had a goal by uh, Pereira with uh, at Orlando, and assisted by Nani. So from this game, there was not much going on. Uh, that was that was an interesting theme to see, or just interesting takeaways from all the games was who played hard, who slacked off, even if they did or didn't need to make it. And this was definitely a game where the two teams were moving on and they they didn't push. Um, they played, it was fine, but there was no huge desire to, I guess, ruin what was going to happen in coming up in Sweet 16. So 1-1 was the final. Both teams advanced on. Shots, Philadelphia uh, 12, Orlando 10, so fairly even there. Philadelphia outcrossed Orlando 26-18. Uh, possession fairly even, 46-54 in favor of Orlando. Uh, key players, uh, we have, of course, Bedoya over on at Philadelphia, uh, Shabilko, McKenzie on defense, Montiero defense and crosses. A lot of the same names that we've been seeing already. Some of the key players that you're going to be gravitating to anyway in fantasy on Orlando. Nani, uh, Perea, and, and Jansen. Jansen was... A, a pretty good defensive option, I think. I don't know if you have this loaded up, Mike. I had this just a second ago. I think Jansen is uh, at seven million, so he's not very budget friendly. But he had some pretty good defensive stats right there. So if you are looking for some options, um, he's one you could consider. But uh, Nani was one that definitely stood out. I think that's going to be your go-to player at Orlando shots crosses this this is the guy that's that's really going to be the go-to uh, what did you guys think of this game i mean i think you summarized it perfectly they were moving on they, they didn't really have to do too much i think a draw was fine for them they both had exceptional tournaments um winning the first two games so i mean once they got the draw orlando knew it would win the group and i don't think philadelphia cared too much yeah, pretty much the same. This looked like one of those Orlando games where they could park the bus a little bit and know they would win the group. Um, looking at the bracket and the way things shaked out or came out and where everybody ended up, I don't think either team really cared too much what happened here. Uh, both of them won their first knockout round. I know we'll talk about those games a little bit later, but I mean, they both got favorable draws for them going forward. I think Philadelphia probably got on the easier side of the bracket, so finishing second place in the group was not necessarily the worst thing in the world for them. And, and so this was just two teams didn't want to overexert themselves, didn't want to risk injuries, um, knew what was going on, and both of them played a pretty good game. It just it wasn't the most exciting game because they didn't have a whole lot to play for. Uh, in general, fantasy takeaways for Philadelphia are more important to me than for Orlando. Still not... I mean, they definitely 
Orlando has definitely surprised a lot of people in this tournament, but Philadelphia is a team that had momentum from last year, has a lot of players at a lot of positions. I mean, uh, Shabilko is under $9 million as a forward who could be uh, an excellent option. Montiero is under $9 million as a midfielder who was fantastic in, in bonus point production last year as well. Uh, and then on the defensive side, th there's some really affordable defensive players right here. Um, I mean, Wagner's at, at 6.5, but everybody else is is lower than that and and there have been some decent uh decent performances right there like mckenzie is 5.1 and he had a great a great game so um we already talked about montiero so uh, i think philly is the key team here to keep an eye on as we go into the fantasy season Moving on to toronto versus new england uh so this game 0-0 is the final and i, I couple of takeaways. New England did not field an A lineup at all. Some of that was due to injuries. Uh, Carlos Heel was, was a boot, actually, so he's he's one to keep an eye on. Uh, but New England did not field an A team right here. Josie came back into the lineup late in the, in the game, um, and, but both keepers made some big saves. But other than that, this game didn't, didn't have a whole lot of to it uh, toronto outshot new england 14 to 10 new england outcrossed toronto 11 to 23 and toronto outpossessed new england 60 40 uh, key players of course as usual right here pozuelo continues to be uh, the same player in fantasy that we expect him to be um aro and larea did well on defense so if you are looking for toronto as defense uh, you do still have some options but they tend to be in the more expensive range so you may not be able to do much with them uh in new england uh fagundes has has done well i think that's been the biggest fantasy takeaway for me from this tournament so far is that fagundes is actually starting to put up some decent numbers that we've always hoped fagundes has done in the past consistency is going to be that that issue going forward uh then of course on defense Farrell has done well as he's a fantastic fantasy defender over the past several years uh kessler has done well on defense, and then uh, Rowe also did very well with uh, with crossing numbers. So uh, he is he is back home in New England. Uh, Farrell is six point nine, but if you're going to look at someone like Kessler, if he starts, he's four point seven. So after Farrell, you can find some fantastic uh, budget options here on New England if they're able to keep up uh, some kind of form. Did you get a chance to watch this, Blaine? Um, no, I didn't get a chance to watch this one so much. Um, the one thing I like to note, because this was game three for them, for New England, was that was their second clean sheet of the tournament, mm -hmm. and Iguain only put one goal by him, and that was kind of one of those fluky things right after he came on. I mean, really well worked. Uh, New England's defense looks really solid right now. Um, this Toronto team didn't rotate quite as heavily, and, I mean, they, they were coming at them. They just – New England locked it down and didn't give mm -hmm. up that goal – it was enough to get them through to the knockout round. Uh, defense, a defense that I'm going to be looking at a lot more going forward just because I think they've got it. I know I was a big Turner fan last year playing in show league and some other things. Turner was one of those names that just kept popping up on my radar. And I think we've got to give them a little more credit going forward. They've got some playmakers in the ability to hold the ball up, which does help your clean sheet chances. They're not under siege all the time like they have been in years past um, Toronto we know what they've got we know what they can do going forward and to keep a clean sheet in this type of game is huge for New England you need to add Mike uh yeah I mean uh I don't know if y'all have started to look at um game flow which is a Twitter account that was started by uh, the analysis American analysis guys and it shows kind of xg over the course of the game and it's really good and it shows that like basically Toronto just kind of took like small little chances throughout the game accumulated to about um, one expected goals. New England had 1.79. Um, we talked a little bit about this last week. New England's problem this tournament, even with or without heel, wasn't creating chances. It was finishing them. They pretty yeah. much underperformed their expected goals the entire tournament. So that's something that I think you can look forward to in New England that, you know, if they start converting more of those chances, which statistically they should, they'll, they'll be a good value going forward. But I agree with what Blaine said about the defense. The defense looks fine. Holding Toronto to just one expected goal and the chances that they gave up, that, that's pretty good. 
Okay, moving on to Atlanta versus Columbus. My group, this, the complete, I guess a story of two teams. Atlanta completely collapsing in this tournament and Columbus rising to the top above all teams so far. Uh, final is 0 Atlanta, 1 Columbus uh, with an early goal by Mokhtar, assisted by Valenzuela. Um, the crew were missing some of their, their main pieces in this game, but they were still able to get, get the win. Um, and they ended up perfect. Nine points, uh, never gave up a goal, had a fantastic a goal differential number because of my team. Uh, but this this was a massive failure for Atlanta. And we all know what's already happened with DeBoer out. So that's the biggest fantasy takeaway in general is you could pretty much throw away everything that we've said before now because if they get a new coach, it's all... When they get a new coach, it's, it's all who knows what. Um, formations may change. Style may change. It's... It, without Joseph, you don't know what's going to happen. So... That's the biggest fancy takeaway overall. Otherwise, Atlanta outshot Columbus 15 to nine. Uh, they outcrossed Columbus 21 to 11, and about even possession 55-45 in favor of Atlanta. Two bright spots you can take from Atlanta with key players. Uh, Pity had great shot numbers, great pass numbers, great cross numbers. But if these guys aren't going to score, they're not players you want on your team in fantasy. They're just too expensive, and you can look someplace else. Uh, Lennon also had some good numbers here. On Columbus' side, it's it's the same people who we've been talking about. Columbus is a team that you need to be picking up three players from almost every week. I, I mean, I'd say they, depending on how they do in the rest of this tournament, I mean, they're almost every week they have players who can perform against against teams of high caliber. But we'll see. Uh, otherwise, Diaz did well. Awful did good. Uh, Mensa did well off of Mensa with their defensive numbers. Uh, Santos did well with his crossing numbers. Zellerion was out, so just when he's back in this game, this the depth and the players that they have are just so potent. They're, they're players' fantasy that you want, but they don't suffer from that, that trap that teams like Houston have in the past where there's so many players and it's bouncing around that you don't know who's going to get the, the scores is that Columbus has skill, but you can get consistent numbers from a lot of players. Did you guys uh, end up being as shocked as I was of Atlanta's just crash? By this game, not really. Um, playing the Columbus defense, like Adam John still didn't do anything. Uh, he got 45 minutes in this one, didn't register a shot. Um, they're not giving any service to a guy. Like, I, th I think what's, what surprises me more is, like, I know Adam John's not your premier forward, but he's a big body. He can go up and get headers. Um, was he Was he with um, – he was with San Jose for a while, wasn't he? Well, he was with Columbus when they oh, beat no. Atlanta in the playoffs. That's right. Yeah, he was with Columbus. I mean, just he is. I mean, he's six three. He is not a small guy. Um, he should be one of those imposing forces. And when you've got pity, when you've got Barco, when you've got some of these guys around him, you would expect them to send some crosses in and get him on get him on his head. I mean, they they put up twenty one crosses in that game. Um, where is the service for Adam John here? You've got a big striker. I don't know if this is a coaching issue, which that's out the window now. We get to see what they're going to do going forward because this got DeBoer the sack. But I just how do you how do you take a big body? I mean, we talked about it with Josie out the door some. You know, if nothing else, or go back to the old San Jose Bash Brothers with Len Hart and Gordon. You put balls high in the air and you let them go up and get them. You let him go get a couple of shots that way. You keep defenses on their toes. Atlanta's not doing that. They're not giving any service to anybody. It looks like Barco, everything's playing between Pity and Barco, trying to get shots for a couple of their midfielders, which isn't working. I don't think it's going to work with this team. They, <sighs> Jurgen Dom, when he starts, may fix it, but they're they're doing a lot but they're not creating a lot when they do this i mean crosses are one thing they're good for fantasy bonus points but nobody's getting on the end of them and nobody's doing what they need to with them it's it's just i think that's the biggest surprise is they just 
you've got all these quality players and they're not doing anything with the ball, but they have the ball, they, they get in dangerous spots, they, they're not producing anything, and that, that baffles me. Right, it's the team that's set up for Joseph Martinez. I mean, they're designed to get the ball to cross it and to get it to Joseph to have him work his magic. And you're right, Adam Adam John can't do that. So, but I mean, that they're still playing like they have Joseph and they don't have Joseph. Yeah, but I mean, you would still. I mean, because I'm looking at the expected goals, they only got .72, and this was a match that they had to win. Um, you know, and I guess the bigger question going forward is: is this firing DeBoer a statement from Atlanta's front office that this team is unacceptable and they're ready to make big changes to get back to the glory days of a few years ago, or is this a statement that they think that this team, as composed now, should be winning? Um, it's just a little odd to fire anyone after this tournament because of you know kind of the weird extenuating circumstances that, that go into this tournament. If you think Frank DeBoer is, is your man at the beginning of 2020, I don't know how this game could change or these few games can change that as bad as they were for Atlanta. But that that's a big question because I think Atlanta needs something else. Um, if if they're going to come back to play, you know, this year and the regular season goes on as MLS is planning it right now. I mean, I think Atlanta needs to sign someone to be really competitive and to be an offensive threat. Because as of right now, they're just not. I mean, I think I that's know that Frank DeBoer knew a new coach changes that. I, I think the statement is that they wanted more from Frank DeBoer. That they I th- let me start this over. I think you're right that they think this team should be doing better than they are. I mean, what they've dropped into Pity, what they've dropped into Barco, that even without Joseph, these are players who should still be able to be stars, who should still be able to be. players that can be built around for a team and that it just looks like Frank DeBoer wasn't willing or able to break that mold of what they do with Joseph and and that to me it seems like they just want someone who is going to use the players they have in a different creative way to get the best out of what who they have which they believe should be enough to be way more competitive than they are right now. Yeah, I can understand that, but I mean, if, if your starting striker is Adam John, you're going to have trouble. You know, I mean, it would, I would point to, to New York City before they got Bear. Before sure. you had an actual striker, there was struggles to score. And everyone was calling for, for Dome's head, and then he actually got a striker, and poof, all of a sudden all the issues were gone, and they were scoring as usual. Not having a striker is is a huge problem. And right now, Adam, Atlanta United doesn't have a striker. Mm-hmm. I, and And I get that, but even not having a striker you need your you need your striker to get a couple of shots a game to get involved you can't score if you can't shoot and if you're if you've got playmakers like Barco and Pity I expect them to facilitate for whoever is up front for whoever is playing that striker role and at least get them a couple of opportunities to try to break on the score sheet I don't know if Adam John had a single shot in this entire tournament when your starting striker doesn't have a single shot, um, some of it could be your striker that's not very good, but some of that comes back to you're not feeding your striker the ball in a position where he can do it. Um, the more I look at this roster, there's some there's some good names on here. I, so, some guys that have a little bit to prove, some younger guys who are stepping up right now. But Barco and Martinez are two names that they expect to take over these games. And they're putting up good numbers, but they're not creating for anybody else. It just seems to be almost a two-man show right now. And if your two-man show's not doing it, they've got to start getting everybody else involved. I just I don't see where this is, this team is working together. Um, maybe that is management issues. I don't know. I don't know what the board was telling this team to do, how he was telling them to play. But when. You, we know we know what this really really is. This is Mike's lobby for Patrick Mullins to Atlanta. That's that's what it is. That's what's going on right here. That. <laughs> I, I, I've I've thought about that. Don't 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 make the New Orleans boy go to Atlanta. No, 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 no. Atlanta hires Dome and then um, Patrick Mullins comes down to start for him. There we go. There it is. Let's move on to the next game. Uh, this is Montreal. Montreal versus DC, and uh, I mean it. It was pretty even. That's that's a, a, an exciting thing you can say, or a fair thing I think you can say about this game. It was a pretty even game for two teams that have had struggles recently, and in the end, um, the magic of Higuain did not come through for DC as it has in, 
earlier in this tournament. Uh, Titer got the only goal of the game, and um, that's that's all she wrote. And and Montreal advanced, so good for them. Still, DC outshot Montreal twelve to seven. Montreal was out crossed by DC as well, uh, 18 to 14. And then uh, Montreal, though, ended up with the majority of possession, but it was fairly even, 55 to 45. Uh, key players, uh, Bohan on offense, he got the assist with, with tight air. Um, Wanyama on defense had some really good numbers. Um, Brault Gilliard on defense also had some good numbers. So potentially some, some options on Montreal with defense. Uh, these guys are, are cheap if they end up playing. I just don't have a lot of faith in Montreal fantasy wise, but there's they they got points and in this situation they would have done done well. They would have gotten a good score. Uh, on DC, pretty much the same people you're looking. Um, they're having some struggles with scoring. Uh, Briant is doing well on defense. Some of your same guys there. Gressel is still doing very well with his crosses. That's exactly what what he's built for. So if you are looking for an offensive player at times with DC, it's to me, it looks like Gressel is one of the better options just because of the bonus point potential. But I'm not big on DC right now. Anything to add for this, guys? Mike? No, I, I mean, I think you're right. DC struggled offensively all tournament. They very much needed Higuain Magic to do anything. Um, this is a team that probably needs a signing in order to be competitive offensively. Um, even Gressel's crossing. You know, if you get someone on the end of it, then I think yeah. it would be a much more valuable for fantasy sure. option. Uh, and I mean Montreal kind of struggled all tournament to to create chances, which really isn't surprising. They're still struggling to replace Piotti. Titer's pretty much been their only source of offense, mm-hmm. um, including with a number of PKs. Right. Um, which is weird, considering they scored three goals in the last game in Toronto, but two of those were PKs. PKs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> two of his three goals have been PKs. So yeah, this yeah. is his first open open field game goal. Yeah. Anything else, Blaine? I know you've covered Montreal some in the past. Yeah. This, um, really like what I'm seeing from Kyoto right here. Um, I, think, I think he found a good home here. He's going to do some damage for him. But, yeah, echo what you guys said. DC just looks bad right now. No creativity. This was a must-win game for DC to try to have to advance. I don't even think a draw was going to be good enough at this point. And they, I mean, 12 shots, but only three on three on target. It's just they didn't do enough. I didn't see enough creativity or spark to break down what's not been the greatest Montreal side in this tournament. There's just, there, there was nothing there, and that, that kind of shocked me. I, I know a lot of people were talking about D.C. being a dark horse to come out of the group stage and do some damage in the knockout rounds, one of those teams that, has a ton of talent. I mean, Yamil Assad is back. Frederico Higuain came on. He gave the magic, but he was about the only one. And then Ola Kamara, who I don't know that we've talked about this entire tournament because he's Not really. done absolutely nothing. Yeah. I, it, that's probably the most shocking thing there is he has <coughs> played 20 minutes in a must-win game, and he is the guy that Columbus counted on and LA Galaxy paid a ton of money for to get him out of. You know, they traded Zardes over to get him out of Columbus. And I think they paid some and sent Zardes to Columbus. And you look at what Zardes has done since that trade and what Olakamara has done since that trade, uh, we know who won that one. For sure. Especially in your heart, Blaine. Especially yeah. in your heart. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, next game, RSL versus Sporting Kansas City. Ends up 0-2 to two in Sporting Kansas City favor. Goals by Russell, assisted by Polito, and uh, Gerso, also assisted by Polito. And this was just a good old-fashioned uh, dominating performance by Sporting Kansas City. So I'll, I'll let Blaine speak mostly about that. Uh, on the stats-wise, um, Sporting Kansas City outshot RSL 10-5. to Crosses about the same, in, but it was in favor of RSL 10-7. to And then RSL had a little bit more possession, 58-42%. to um, not a lot to pull here from players with RSL. They have some defensive options. Uh, Glad and Toya were definite, definite stands out here. But RSL's players are expensive on defense, so I don't actually know <clears throat> Excuse me, if they are worth the investment fantasy um, under the right situation, of course, but a lot of them are in that mid-seven range, and that's, that's kind of pricey, I think, for 
for uh, these players. Uh, on Sporty Kansas City side, a lot of the usual suspects that we've already talked about. Blaine, I'll let you take it over here and talk about your boys. Uh, yeah, um, Johnny Russell with the first minute <clears throat> really set the tone for this game. Um, they could, we could sit back a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> Russell's looking better as he gets more more time. He's been injured. He was injured to start the season, kind of been getting back to full fitness through this tournament. Polito's the real deal. Um, uh, probably more creative than he is a goal scorer right now, which is shocking for a premier number nine signing this year. But I'll take it. Uh, Gerso, um, kind of playing some of that super sub role again, but looks really good. Um, watch his price to inflate as we go, so he may <clears throat> himself out may not be starting every game. Um, but the bigger takeaway here is just how strong the defense was in this game. RSL didn't get a ton of shots, but we didn't let them have those because we could sit back a little bit. Um, the the biggest news here is Matt Beasler went uh, was rotated to the bench, and we thought this may have been just to get a rest. Um, Graham Smith is playing alongside Zussi, and Punchet switched sides. Um, that may not be a fluke, like give a guy a rest type of thing. This defense, this defensive switch seems to have really helped the team out a lot. Um, they looked a lot more solid. That was the post game. Um, Vermes was praising how good the defense was. The goals came, but he was praising just how strong the defense looked through that whole game, and didn't give up a ton of good chances. And that's been a problem for Sporting since really the start of 2019. Uh, they were just they would sit back and they would give up good chances, and eventually one would go in. They didn't even give up the good chances here. Um, as far as RSL goes, I talked about it a little bit in the uh, before the game with a couple of friends, but RSL right now goes the way Rusnak goes. And Rusnak didn't play this game, and they had almost nothing creatively. Um, that, to me, is going to be the biggest indicator on what I want to do. I like some of these guys. Crylock is good. Sam Johnson is fantastic once he's there. But if Rusnak is not in that lineup, I am not taking anybody RSL unless it's a good defensive matchup for him. Um, I just I, there's not enough creativity without Rusnak there, and I don't think any of them are worth the money, even some of the cheaper options, because I they just they don't have it. They missed that spark without Rusnak. Good pointing out Smith on defense sporting Kansas City. Four point five defender would be a steal for fantasy if he does start. And I had a hard time not realizing he was not Matt Beasler because I would see him run by or they'd get some shots. I'm like, is that they'd said it that's not hmm, he looks a lot like Matt Beasler. So, um, and honestly, Smith is widely considered the most athletic center back on this team. Yep, he did well last night too. Mm -hmm. All right, next game. Ooh, the best game: uh, Cincinnati versus the New York Red Bulls. Best for Mike because the Red Bulls lost. Best for me because Cincinnati won, and Blaine is just the odd man out. Uh, two zero is the final score in favor of Cincinnati. Goals by Yuya Kubo and an own goal by Velo off of a fantastic uh, corner kick by uh, Madunyanin. And uh, wow, just just wow. That's that's all I can say. Completely unexpected. Thank you to everyone who sent me messages on Twitter <laughs> during this game. I got several of them. It was very very touching that people were actually. I know. I think Ashley said when they scored the second goal, she looked to her husband and said. Uh, I'm going to have to send something to read to see if he's okay. And I will be <laughs> honest, I didn't even cheer when the second goal happened because I was just in shock staring at the screen of just, I, what? So, um, yeah, this, this was, this was wild. Great to have these two results for Cincinnati. Definitely helps the team. Um, makes you wonder if they finally have a, a coach in Yopstam who can, get some of that defensive shape that they were trying to get last year what if whatever you can call last year but at least they're trying to resolve the defensive issues going forward to just make what they can out this year whatever happened it worked throwing 11 guys back i guess does that but cincinnati was outshot by the red bulls 4 to 19 the most lopsided crossing numbers i have ever seen cincinnati had four crosses in this game the new york red bulls had 51 crosses in this game i say this because i'm focusing on this because a lot of the red bulls players had six seven eight crosses and that would have been two to three bonus points easy 
for these players. I, I don't think this is a trend because we didn't see this necessarily from Columbus. We didn't see this for sure from Atlanta, but they were down two men. Um, but keep an eye on it because if you have teams playing against Cincinnati fantasy-wise, if they're going to be giving up massive amounts of crosses, that could really help some of your wing backs or your, or your wing midfielders as well. So, but keep an eye on that because that was just, it was stupid the number the difference right there uh and then of course red bulls out cincinnati 68 to 32 the players that came away with the best points from cincinnati of course yakubo uh, but the defenders had a lot of bonus points which is just what you can expect from how they're playing right now i don't have any faith fantasy wise though to rely on cincinnati because it's just they're still too young they still have so much against them that just no but the, the stats from this game, the defenders did fantastic. Uh, Red Bulls, there was no one to really point at. They they weren't able to break down Cincinnati to get the goals. They Like I said, they had people with massive cross numbers, but I think that's a fluke more than what you can expect from the Red Bulls game in, game out, or for Cincinnati to allow. So I don't have really anyone to point out from this game for the Red Bulls. What about you guys? I, I think <clears throat> this is one of those with... Honestly, with the last two games for Cincy, uh, this is one of those tactical matchups that we can look at going forward. Um, Yapstam seems to have him playing a bend but don't break defense right yep. now, and and that's huge for fantasy. Like, I I love to see that because you can, you you hit it on the head with the wingbacks. Those guys are going to come out, and those guys are going to get more crossing numbers. Those guys are going to have more license to go forward. Um, bend but don't break. You you absorb a lot of pressure. Your your defenders, especially your cheaper ones, are going to be viable for bonus points because when you when you face fifty crosses in a game, when you start adding in those clearances and interceptions on those, you're going to start packing in a few extra bonus points. Maybe you get a clean sheet. Maybe you don't. But you could start theoretically packing in enough bonus points to rival a clean another clean sheet player. Uh, and so it makes it interesting depending on price, but teams going at them are going to become super valuable in different ways. This is, this may not be the defense you want to take your starting forward who is dependent on goals because it looks like since he may not be giving up the goals as much anymore, um, this may be the one where you want all the facilitators and go grab as many bonus points as you can. And you can do really, really well on just those bonus points alone for some of the facilitators in your wing backs, which is where we tend to struggle to find bonus points and defensive bonus points like that. So interesting tactical matchup. You'll have to know your teams a little better here, but that's, that opens up a ton of possibilities and a ton of cheaper options to really shine through against Cincinnati, even if they're not getting goals and assists going. Just, it's going to be fun to watch the rest of the season and sure. see how fantasy scores come up against Cincinnati even if Cincinnati's not giving up goals. Anything to add, Mike? Just so I would say that, um, I mean, Cincinnati, even though they got two goals, they only created um, .31 expected goals, uh, although part of that is because own goals don't really translate very well to expected goals, and it was a, a really good header by, or excuse me, um, corner kick by Medunin, but I mean, they're still struggling. They're still absorbing a lot of, you know, shots against them. But the good thing is they're not as high-quality opportunities as we've seen in the past. So mm-hmm. that's a, the positive thing looking forward for Cincinnati, as well as just a boost of confidence. And, you know, yeah. we, we talked about how, how you felt, Reed. I think it's just a good thing to ha- have a good story for Cincinnati from this tournament, regardless of what happens uh, when they play Portland. That's just nice for, for, for them to have. But, I mean, you know, in order to become really fantasy viable outside of, you know, the defenders, they're going to need a lot more because they're just not sure. generating for enough sure. chances. But on, on the Red Bull side, I mean, they didn't score since the game against Atlanta two um, shutouts against Columbus and FC Cincinnati. You, you, we, we've had a trouble fantasy-wise uh, of the kind of similar Houston Dynamo problem where you don't know where the goals are coming from. Um, and right now, that's nowhere for the Red Bulls. So they need something else. Mm-hmm. Next game, Colorado versus Minnesota. Interesting game. This one was very back and forth. And uh, congrats to Colorado for putting up a great game because they were not going to advance regardless of what happened here. Um, 
so so it was i think this was a, a great game i didn't get to see it i just got to catch the highlights and i kind of wish i had because it looked like a, a good a good game final score 2-2 draw on this one uh, goals by kamara and lewis for colorado assisted by uh benze for for uh, kamara's goal and then two goals a brace for ethan finlay assisted by uh gregus on the first one and then metanair and gregus on the second one uh this this is an interesting result because I know there were times uh, a few years ago, two or three years ago back in Columbus when we had Higuain and Merrim and um, Miram and uh, Finlay all at Columbus. There were times when Finlay did have some great spurts and uh, he's done pretty well during this tournament. So I could see this transitioning into Ethan Finlay is going to be a great fantasy option. Maybe. Is my fans maybe the most important thing to note from this game is that Kevin Molino did not play, and Kevin Molino has been doing very well in this game as well, and that's the player I'd be looking toward more for fantasy because Ethan Finlay has been much more sporadic in fantasy history, uh, and even though Molino has not had the greatest time, a lot of it he's been injured and trying to recoup and never really getting back into his stride. So if this tournament has let Kevin Molino get back into his stride, that is an excellent thing for minnesota especially since they were missing some some components for for this team uh, otherwise fairly even with the numbers uh 14 to 18 with shots in favor of minnesota 21 to 24 and crosses in favor of minnesota and then 45 to 55 with possession in favor of minnesota colorado i think is the biggest fantasy takeaway from here because they have some quality players. A lot of them are pretty affordable, and I think Colorado could have some some good differential players going forward. Uh, Rubio had had great shots. Acosta had great shots, which is another player you're going to want to keep an eye on who did well in the past and has struggled a little bit. Uh, Kamara had great shots. Drew Moore, Rosenberry, great on defense, have usually been fairly affordable right there. Um, and then on Minnesota... I mean, they have some great def defensive options with Gasper and Boxel. Uh, Metanair is always great for the offensive side, and I already covered the question mark surrounding Ethan Finlay. What did you guys think about this game? Oh, I loved this game. Yeah. Like, this this was everything I wanted from a game. Um, this helped sporting a lot, too. Uh, <laughs> to the top of the group. But, but, no, I would just... I don't mind Colorado. I, a couple of former Kansas City players out there. I just I love seeing the turnaround. The underdog story is always fun for me. Um, this is a team that really had nothing to play for other than three points in the regular season. Or And, I mean, they got a point for the regular season standing. Um, I hope I, – I think the, the big takeaway from the tournament comes from this game. This gave every group game something to play for. Even if you are out of the tournament, you still had something to play for. And it's like Atlanta in, that, in their last game – they crashed out horribly, but they came at it because they needed three points. Columbus didn't just roll over and die because they wanted the three points. Like this was this was huge for Colorado to come out and play. Jonathan Lewis is at seven point five, looking like a super sub. Um, he hasn't been starting, but he has been coming off the bench and putting in great work. Uh, definitely somebody if we see these inflated budgets to start to keep an eye on, throw him on the bench, stash him there. If he comes in late, good, great, you take those points. Um, Diego Rubio put up four shots in this one as well. It seems like they're uh, Colorado's creating chances, and they did this one without Jack Rice this time. Yeah, and that that's a that's a big one. I think he was on a red card suspension yeah. for this one, so he was he wasn't there. And Colorado still looked really good. They they've got some depth here. I don't think they're one of those elite teams in MLS yet, but they've got some depth that even if they're missing a few players, there you can still expect them to perform fairly well. And then switch sides. I mean, this is a Minnesota team that's struggling a little bit. Missing Opara may be part of the problem. I think Molino's kind of the engine of this team. They paid good money to get him out of Orlando, and they really need that to pay off soon. And he, when he's playing, he looks like he's worth the 600000 they paid for him. Um, I think he makes Finley better. Finley's one of those guys I always love seeing him play because he's capable of doing so much. I just wish he would do it more consistently. And then the rest of the team around him, I mean, Grey Goose is still just fantastic. Set pieces, definitely somebody you always have to keep an eye on. He's getting shots. He's getting, he takes corners. He does set pieces. He just, he's involved all the time. 
but this was just a fun game. There were tons of fantasy points to be had. I, I, this is one of those games I may score the whole thing as I start scoring my draft league stuff just because I want to see how this one shaped out because this one looked like fun. Mm-hmm. Anything to add, Mike? Just that I think the Colorado Rapids are a much better team with Jonathan Lewis on the field, but they seem to be mm. having the same problem New York City is, which they can't figure out how to get the kid to start. I don't know go. if it's it. I mean, for us, it was a durability issue. He just couldn't last all 90 minutes. Um, and it seems like Colorado's having the same problem, which is a shame because every time he comes on, it seems like he scores or is very dangerous. Um, but, I mean, you know, he's 7.5 midfielder in fantasy. He's someone that I think fantasy players are going to want to start and want to see get opportunities because he usually takes advantage of them. But, you know, it's always so much harder if he's not starting. But then again, if we're getting five subs a game, maybe you're more comfortable with that. Well, sure. So, so that's something to kind of keep in mind as we go forward. Yeah, he, he's one of those. I've heard that, and I actually drafted him in my draft league hoping he would do more. I watched some of their preseason stuff, and I thought he looked really good. And, I mean, there's a reason why I drafted him, and he's showing it to us. But I wonder if he just does better when he's got Rubio or Nomley or Benize out there running at defenses for 60, 70 minutes, and then he comes in and exploits those tired legs. We'll see. Uh, next game is Chicago versus Vancouver, which at the beginning of this this game, well, shouldn't have even happened at the beginning of this tournament, but might have been something we expected to be uh, two low teams battling it out. And the big fantasy takeaway for me is Chicago is is someone I am much more interested in than at the beginning of this year. Uh, they did not win this game. They were outscored 0-2, uh, to two, Vancouver, uh, at, at the end, which, shocker, right there. Uh, goals came from, from uh, Reyna with uh, Adnan as the assist, and then uh, Yome. I, I don't... I don't even watch Vancouver. I'm sorry. Um, with uh, Jordy Reina, Reina assisting again. Um, but the MVP of this game was weather. That That is definitely it. Chicago was on the the advantage, just on the attack at the beginning. Then they had like an hour weather delay. And, and then it was Vancouver after that. So so kudos to Vancouver. And kudos to Anna, who who we interact with on Twitter, to your, to your guys for, for doing well. But... Um, this was just wild. Chicago outshot Vancouver twenty-seven to four, outcross Vancouver thirty-seven to four. Not as bad as the Cincinnati game, uh, and outpossessed Vancouver sixty-one to thirty-nine. So there is some massive potential, fantasy-wise, with Chicago. Um, a lot of their players have a lot of value. Uh, Medron is one of the top players coming out of this tournament to, to keep an eye on. He's a midfielder, seven point six. Has had some great numbers, some shot numbers, some key pass numbers, some cross numbers. So. So keep an eye on that. Um, Frankowski is another one that we can remember from last year. He's 6.4. Jimenez, 6.1, did did well in this game and throughout this tournament. So there's there's a lot of guys that a lot of us don't know who they are because a lot of these players are new. But but there's definite potential with Chicago. So don't, don't sleep on them like a lot of us probably advising at the beginning of the season uh mike is this your takeaway from this game as well yeah pretty much uh, i mean you know chicago had 1.94 expected goals um this was the beginning of the hassal show although it didn't get the attention mostly because of the way you, and you mentioned the weather and that was exactly right uh if you look at the game flow chart of the expected goals vancouver did absolutely nothing until the weather delay and then there's those two huge chances and that was pretty much it they, they had a total of one expected goal and pretty much most of it came off of those two chances. I think they had one other chance that contributed a little bit to their expected goals, but that was about it. This was a team that struggled to score, and it really kind of seemed to me that Chicago was like, there's no way they can score two, um, and they were just kind of taking it easy. If we get a draw, that's fine. You know, we'll, we'll, Maybe we'll, we'll get one pass them at some point, but regardless, they're not sco- we're not losing two to nothing, and you know, they fell asleep coming off that rain delay, and that, that was it. Um, so, you know, I, I still think the same about Vancouver going forward. Um, even with the clean sheets, they're just generating way too many quality shots. Uh, I mean, they, for to, for them to be fantasy viable going forward, they need to have Hassal continue to be the, one of the best goalkeepers ever, um, <laughs> and just eventually he's going to come back to earth. Um, even if he even if he plays really really well, you just can't 
take that kind of bombardment on a weekly basis and keep killing cheats. So, um, and they, they really need to do something more offensively. But I, I agree with you. Chicago is much more interesting to me going forward now. Okay. Anything to add, Blaine? No, I I watched this game up until the rain delay and I was working. <laughs> so I just turned it off. Not and you fell asleep. They said it could be a couple hours. And then I didn't come back and I saw the final score. And I'm, yeah. Um, Jordy Reina is Jordy Reina is one of those players I always keep my eye on. He's good for a few yeah. of these. He had a goal and assist. I mean, he's good for a few of these every so often, um, depending on who who they're playing. But he's so hard to predict. It's tough. But it is nice to see him get the scores like this. Yeah, Reina and and Adnan Ali Adnan are pretty much the only fantasy viable players if, if you wanted somebody but i uh, no I, I don't advise looking at vancouver but they get points uh next la galaxy versus houston this was a a, a fun game as well uh final was one yes, one a, a draw <laughs> uh, much much to mike's pleasure and uh, that that pk goal from pavone at the end near the end of the game uh let mike advance so mike was very happy with this quintero got the other goal um basic takeaway from this game is the galaxy have nothing um (laughs) and and uh houston's okay i mean that's what i came in the problem as i said at the beginning of the show with houston is they still have this this awesome lineup of of goal scorers and you don't know who's who's gonna score and it's very frustrating the the one person you probably can rely on is memo and we'll talk about him in a second um otherwise LA outshot Houston 14 to 12, outcrossed Houston 34 to 11, and outpossessed Houston 64 to 36, and they could still do nothing. No Chicharito, no Dos Santos, but still, uh, LA is a huge struggle bus, and I do not want anything to do with them, fantasy wise. Uh, Pavone, Leggett, and uh, Zubak did okay. Nice to see Leggett back up there. He's he's had some injuries recovering from, so that is a, a bright spot for the national team to see. Maybe he's he's on an up upswing. On Houston, though, Memo Rodriguez is is a standout from them from this tournament. If you have not keyed onto him yet with fantasy, I don't know where you've been the last two years where we've been talking about him, uh, but definitely a player to keep an eye on. Otherwise, usual suspects here: Manotas, Quintero, Elise, uh, um, Lungfist in the back on defense, uh, Cabrera in the back defensively, but. Um, you're probably not going to want to go for that with Houston. Mostly it's going to be memo. Anything uh, to add to this one, guys? Yeah, I, I think you hit it on the, I mean, I, I was watching, you know, this game as a New York city fan. just like, just, just please draw. Come on guys. <laughs> get, get something here. And, um, but most of the game was Sebastian Legette passing to an LA galaxy player who didn't read his run. And then Sebastian Legette just being frustrated and throwing his arms in the air <laughs> so i was simultaneously throwing my arms in the air you know like what, what come on like this is the houston defense uh, and they could do nothing they they were just absolutely discombobulated um if there had been a if, if after the group stage was over if you'd asked me which coach was going to get fired i wouldn't have picked atlanta i'd have picked <laughs> this one i mean it's just they they have it's just absolutely discombobulated they have no plan. They didn't have a plan all of last year, and it, they had a bad plan last year. And they, I mean, they just could get nothing going in this game. They got absolutely bailed out by a PK call. It, I mean, I was just well, we're done uh, until that call because I had no confidence in the Galaxy scoring. But it was so. But even after that, when they had a two-on-one situation, I was like, I still knew that they weren't going to score, and they didn't score because they couldn't string two passes together to you know just bank it into a wide open net um they i i think they need signings and a new coach (laughs) um i mean pavone uh, you know for the pks but yeah as as of right now it's really hard to justify going in against the galaxy yep um yeah i'm surprised pavone hasn't requested a transfer yet this summer (laughs) oh he doesn't need to his loan is about to expire that's why yeah, and, that was the and, other thing to mention on him. And and we the talk call. about how bad this is for the galaxy and an old school fantasy favorite being um, Sasha Question couldn't even get a sighting in this game. Like they don't sub him yeah. in. Like I, 
I, I thought I always thought Kleshton was more of a product of the Red Bull system, and that's where a lot of his points came, and that's why I overlooked him a little too much. But I overlooked a lot of the points he got at Red Bulls, to my detriment. But anybody who's done that on a team that is having this much trouble creating has to be given an opportunity to play. I don't care if he is absolute garbage at this point, and my initial impressions of him were were correct. When you cannot buy a goal from regular play except when you're up a man, um, you have to do, try something, and a player of the caliber of Sasha Kleschen has to be given an opportunity to make a difference in one of these games. Um, they scored in the 91st minute off a of PK. They went down a goal. They needed to win that game to advance, to even have a hope of advancing. And Kleschen doesn't make an appearance when the other guys aren't doing enough to get the job done. Um, something is wrong in L.A. Chicharito is not going to fix this. Um, Jonathan Dos Santos may shore up the defense a little bit. They may be able to hold up a little better, but there's nowhere that goals are coming from on this team. Pavone cannot do it all. And really, teams can double double on Pavone and make somebody else beat them, and they can't beat them. They can't find legit streaking in the box. They can't find any open man. There's just there's nothing going. Um, I I think it's time for management or tactics change here. And Scalotto is not a, not supposed to be a bad manager. I I don't know what's going on, but something's got to change here. Or Galaxy, who have five cups, are going to become irrelevant and basement dwellers in the very near future. I just want to second that because I, you know, was watching, it was just like, I saw Sasha Kleshin on the sideline. I'm like, all right, we, you know, this is the opportunity for Sasha because they need, I think, three goals to, to advance. I don't remember if it was three or four goals, um, you know, in order to overcome their really bad goal difference. But I mean, regardless, they want to get the three points for the regular season. Um, and I mean, if, if, you know, regardless of what you think about Sasha Kleshin, if he if he isn't going to come in in that situation, what situation is he going to come in? If, what, why do you have him on the team? I, mm-hmm. I, I, I just didn't understand. And, and again, you have five subs right now. They use three, so it's not like they ran out of subs and tried somebody different. They left. I think he I, he'd be doing that all tournament. Yeah. I think he used three subs. It was it was it was because someone wrote an article about it as if he didn't understand that the rules had changed. <laughs> Uh, the final game that we have is LAFC versus Portland. Before we get into that game, I'm also I gave a shout out to to Anna a second ago from Vancouver. I'm also going to give a shout out to Amanda from Vancouver, who frequently likes uh, the and, and retweets the the messages about the podcast. And uh, I know a while back uh, we be insulted the Vancouver fans, and I want to thank our Vancouver fans for what they have done, even though. Your team is not always fantasy viable. I'm sorry, uh, but we are not trying to slight you. So I'm going to give a shout out to Amanda and Anna because they've they've been great uh, followers on on Twitter. Uh, but back to the final game: LAFC versus Portland. I loved this game for similar reasons that Mike loved our last game because with this draw, two two draws the final score uh, that made Portland the number one team in Group F which meant the winner of Group F played the second-place team in Group E, which was Cincinnati, and so we were playing Portland and not LAFC. So that was good. I appreciated that. <laughs> that was good. Uh, goals came from um, Nesguda. You guys, I don't I don't know. Jaroslav Why are you Nesguda? looking at me for help? I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. That's, that's at Portland. Uh, Blanco and Loria assisted, and then Ibobasi with an assist by uh, Tulioma. Um, right there. Goals for LAFC, Bradley Wright Phillips assisted by Blessing, and then Kay assisted by Rodriguez. So uh, that's where they came from. Valeri did not start this game. That's that's a key thing to know. He did come in, and when he came in, he got some great points. He would have got a couple of bonus points from coming off the bench. So quality Valeri, as we expect. Um, this was a, a strong game, even when Portland didn't put out their, their A lineup. So that's that's a good thing to take fantasy-wise. The problem, fantasy-wise, with both of these teams is that they can be real expensive. So you've got quality players who put up quality points, and they can be expensive and not great options all the time with your budget. Uh, Portland does have some value on defense if they end up going with a lot of these guys. 
Uh, Tulioma and Zupark were a couple of guys who have been starting and are under seven. Uh, Zupark 6.9, Tulioma's five. Farfan's also done well. He's 4.5. So if some of these guys keep playing, they might work out. Stats-wise, though, uh, LAFC outshot Portland 19 to seven, outcrossed Portland 15 to nine, and outpossessed Portland 63 to 37. So, key players at LAFC, the usual suspects. Atuesta did well. Um, I mean, Kay did well. Bradley Wright Phillips did well. These are all guys that we know and are already looking at fancy. So nothing new here. But I appreciated this draw so much, so much. What do you guys <laughs> think of this one? Just that LAFC is going to have a, a real hard or embarrassment of riches trying to figure out what to do when they have Vela back. <laughs> I mean, he he looks absolutely invigorated being on an LAFC. It just seems like a great situation. Uh, we all know he's a dangerous goal scorer. As a New York City fan, I've seen him score way too many times. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's it, with five subs, it's, it's going to give Bradley a lot of options to, you know, change games but there's so many attacking riches uh, I, I think we we have an issue as a fantasy players of they're all expensive they're all so good so bradley can kind of switch them on and off at will and you don't know where it's going to come from in the game but they're all really good it's 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 going to be quite a puzzle to to figure out with lafc but you, this is definitely one of those teams um, you know, the first game, they're putting up chances. They, they seem like they're going to continue to run. They're definitely not as strong defensively um, as they've been in the past. They didn't get a, give up a whole lot of chances in this one, but the ones they gave up were really high-quality chances. Uh, maybe that will be fixed with time, but in general, I think their defense need, needs a little bit of work. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, BWP, what what can you say? He's a cheap. He's one of the few cheap options, but we'll see what kind of time he's going to get. Yeah once Villa comes back. And if they do start rotating some with that those five subs now, I mean, he, he could be a fantastic super sub to come on that might be worth having on your bench. And, see, I'm on the other side of the fence here. I think BWP is going to be your feature. Um, Diamande has been a decent option for this team, but he's never really impressed as the premier forward. That's um, fair. Bella, Bella has done a decent job playing up up top uh, but he's still better off out wide Diego Rossi's the same way um, better out wide I think your odd man out right now is Brian Rodriguez um, I I'm confident in saying that BWP will be the starting forward for this team when the regular season resumes and with Bella back and Rodriguez will be the odd man out he will be the super sub for a while and Honestly, with the way this team is built and playing, I could see BWP playing for another five years in this system. <laughs> this system is just built for him. As he gets older, he may not be able to run quite as long, but you give him 60 minutes up front and then pull him out every game, um, you get another you get another forward behind him that can do it. I, it's just This is a system built to facilitate a guy with his skill set, and it's what Diamande has not been able to do as, as often. I think what BWP scored in... All of his game and all three of the first. Of I believe the game. so. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Like, like that. This team is built to facilitate for a guy like that, and he is a perfect fit. The interesting part will be watching the transfer window this summer and as we head into European season. Um, Rossi was slated to be sold, and I can't remember whether, whether it was K or Atuesta. One of those two, I think, was heavy on the trade block or on the sale block. They're they are looking at shipping two guys out to Europe. And I know Rossi is one of them because they're, they're going to be able to turn a really good profit here. But I think the business side of the game was dead set on these guys, on two guys being sold to Europe. It may not happen this summer because of the virus issues and teams not being able to work, work out players. There, there's been some hiccups from that. So it may be in the off season, but that is definitely going to be something to keep an eye on here. But again, this is a wealth of riches in this team. Um, I trust a lot of these guys. If K goes out, Atuesta's there to step up. Blessing has been a huge creative force for this team. There's just, there's too many options. Um, if you lose Rossi on the wing, you've got Brian Rodriguez, who got five shots in this game. There's just there's so much going forward. We'll have to watch it, but 
the biggest takeaway I have is I think BWP is legit. He may only get 60 minutes, but this team is going to give him service every game. And I think one goal a game for him is not out of the question at all. Well, that's all that we have for the show tonight. I hope you've enjoyed this this recap of the group stage. We'll be doing the same thing in our next episode, except we'll be uh, focusing on the knockout stage and the quarterfinals. So we're going to talk about uh, the Sweet 16 and the quarterfinals uh, because all of those games will wrap up before our next podcast. Uh, so we'll cover the results there and we'll be able to talk about the semis after that. So uh, we're, we're getting close to the end of this tournament and with hope once we find out more, we'll be able to give you more information about the return of the official fantasy game. Any closing comments, guys? Mike? Nope, I'm just glad that my team is still in it. <laughs> Blame. Yeah, this is. I I really have enjoyed this tournament. It's been fun. It's been exciting all the way through. A lot of the games have either been entertaining or close games, good competitive games, and the ones that haven't been as competitive have been full of highlight real plays, like the LAFC LA Galaxy game that just the wheels fell off, and we at least got to see a ton of goals before it was over. Um, I just, I, I really have enjoyed this tournament. I'm glad that MLS got the bubble set up in a, in a way that we haven't really heard anything about the virus coming out of there after yep. they got the few cases cleaned up. And um, major props to MLS for getting this done and bringing us some soccer to get us through, even if the regular season return is a little bit delayed because of trying to get everything scheduled for home games. Get now, get up, but, now get a oh, scarf. Sorry. Now get a scarf because I want a scarf. I would love a scarf, yeah. For this tournament, exactly. Disney one. Uh, no. Really well done tournament, and I'm glad that it's been entertaining. The players seem to have bought into it. Um, only a few of them that didn't show up, and everyone I've heard had legit personal reasons for not being here. And so I'm, I'm just really thankful for MLS for getting this to us and getting it done in a way that kept the players safe, too. Yeah, it's been, yeah. It's been a lot of fun, Mike. I was just going to say that it seems that they bought in the beginning. I, I had some questions, but it seems like in the end they bought in. We've got a lot of entertaining games. Um, and absolutely, it's it's been a lot safer once they got, once the bubble was created. Uh, it seems MLS did its job. Uh, to date, you know, f- fingers crossed that everything mm-hmm. continues to go well. The NBA has had similar success. It's kind of concerning that MLB has not had similar success with a plan that M- MLS was kind of looking to emulate and hope to do well. So, we will see what decisions MLS has to make going forward to get more soccer. I, I do not envy them for the path that they need to create uh, and, the cho- and what they have to try to balance out. Um, yeah, Cause I mean, you know, we're, we're asking, we've asked so much of the players already to be, you know, in this bubble for a month. Uh, I know it was widely shared on social media, the video of Bo coming back and seeing his daughter again. And, you know, it's, I mean, it, being away from your families for a month is, is a very tough thing to ask the players. So, um, I'm glad that, you know, at least if they've made those sacrifices that we've gotten some some great soccer to kind of give us something to, different to talk about other than, you know, the, the depressing realities of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, ditto everything these guys said. Uh, it's It's been it's been great. Uh, so excited to be able to share this with everyone that's been listening to us and with these guys right here uh, with hope. It's going to be just as exciting. As of right now, of this recording, I can happily say that all three of our teams are still in this tournament, and that's uh, a great thing to be able to say. Uh, but we'll see what tomorrow brings. Uh, but uh, I don't know. It's It's been great. I'm glad it's working, and I can't wait for Fancy to come back. So thank you, everyone, for listening to us tonight, and good luck.